Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, folks. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you doing? We're doing Little Chapel Horrors and he's gone mad. Just the gas. <laughs> Just the gas. It turns you on, I see. What drives a man to murder? Is he driven by lust, greed, or envy? Or is he driven by a mean green mother from outer space who's mad? Come a come a talking. Learn some musical history with us here. On a serial podcast talking, musical history podcast, oh, 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 no. Welcome, folks, to Talking Musical History Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Chris. Today, we're going to be talking about a little-known musical that started as a joke. Oh, man. What is it? What is it? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, man. One of my best. One of my favorite. I think it's really hilarious that this movie is from musical. This phenomenon was created by one of the greatest horror film b-movie sci-fi creators roger corman he never intended for this phenomenon to happen with this really raucous plant he is called the pope of pop cinema Ooh, yeah and the guy who wrote it with him charles b griffith quentin tarantino called the father of redneck cinema oh yeah no quentin tarantino freaking loves the hell out of roger corman i mean you can see a lot of his uh, Roger Corman's filming stylings in Quentin Tarantino's films, most definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, but uh, you, you'd expect that uh, um, from so much of a man who makes movies like the original The Fast and the Furious from 1955 or A Bucket of Blood in 1959 or House of Usher 1960, The Wasp Woman, Dimension 13, Death Race 2000. Uh, the, the, the man knows how to create really creepy and odd ideas. Actually, the story itself, a human eating live plant story dates back to 1905's H.G. Wells, The Flowering of the Strange Orchid, that led to Arthur C. Clarke's 1956 short story, The Reluctant Orchid, about a carnivorous orchid that almost kills the man who buys it at an auction. Interesting meets with a 1932 story by John Collier, influenced by Hans Christian Andersen as well, who we talked about in another podcast. Wow. He's, yeah, no, he keeps coming back up. Called Green Thoughts about a man eating plants. Then we get a film by Roger Corman, written by Charles B. Griffith, that starred Jonathan Hayes. Jackie Wells, Mel Wells, and Dick Miller. The film is a black comedy with farce and Jewish humor thanks to Fred Katz. 
It cost $28,000 to make and was shot in two days using a set left over from a bucket of blood. Oh, wow. That's that's so that's so clever. The way he was able to make Little Shop of Horrors, you said like he knew that a bucket of blood was ending and he's like, wait, the set's not getting torn down yet. I could probably th- make another movie before the set gets torn down. That makes so much sense. He was a real innovator. A genius does that. He sees that opportunity yeah. and seizes it. He had no idea when he did this how big this was going to come. In the original movie, of course, Jack Nicholson, which stars... Yeah, Jack, Jack Nicholson, sort of the biggest in the future. Yeah, that's how they sold a lot of the DVDs uh, um, in the past. When I bought one, it's like, you know, you got Jack Nicholson's face on yeah. the on the cover of the Little Shop of Horrors, and he's like barely in it. One of the people that Audrey would have been cast with, instead of Jackie Joseph, who I, I'm i sorry, I'm going to say I've never heard of, he uh, was originally going to cast for Audrey, Nancy Culp, who, if you don't know who she is, it's, it's understandable. Now, the reason I know her is because she was a trailblazing lesbian who played Jane Hathaway on TV's Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, did she really? Yeah, that's right. That is Jane Hathaway. That's hilarious. I forgot. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Well, the movie actually was played Lily Tomlin, who's another trailblazing lesbian. Are we talking about the Corman movie? A Corman movie, yeah, was supposed to have Nancy Culp as Audrey. Oh, okay. Jack Nicholson with Nancy Culp. It was supposed to be a PI, like a private investigator version of the film, where... The dentist was a private investigator. Huh? The dentist is a private investigator? Jack Nicholson would have been Jocko. The original uh, Roger Corman film does have a lot of noir elements to it, like uh, the way it opens. Wait 20 years, you genius. Howard Ashman and David Geffen. David Geffen, for those of you who don't know, um, long and short story of it, he's a rich guy who made a lot of movies. Howard Ashman, one half part of a genius duo, EGOT winner. Alan Menken, Howard Ashman, the late great Howard Ashman, who died just before the release of Beauty and the Beast, was a gay man living and died of AIDS at the height of the AIDS epidemic. He took this story that was made out of a joke and he took it and he talked with Alan Menken and this was their first team up. After this, then they did Little Mermaid, which revived the Disney pictures industry. Then moving to Aladdin, which was pre-written before Beauty and the Beast. Thankfully, Disney listened to two beautiful mentions. I think they also wanted to do like a musical Space Treasure Island. Yeah, they saw, they saw Star Wars and they shouldn't have. Uh, it started on Off-Broadway in 1982. It, I, I mean, it really is. It's sci-fi Broadway meets Jew Motown connected, going on to earn the Drama Desk Awards for Outstanding Musical and Lyrics. This was the start of a wonderful working relationship. Changed the world. This Howard Ashman died before his genius could really be, I think, fully understood. They just recently came out on Disney Plus with the documentary Howard, which tells a very powerful influence of the world and what he left to us. And I definitely recommend watching that if you are able to. All right. Yeah, that's a solid suggestion. Thanks, man. Yeah, and it made me tweet uh, at Alan Menken, who actually um, thanked me for my heartfelt tweet to him. That's pretty dope. It makes me 
feel good when I hear Alan Menken songs. He's yeah. done Newsies. And then more recently, he opened you up in that beautiful stoner movie, The Sausage Party. Um, that's terrific, though. That really is terrific. I do appreciate the movie Sausage Party. I know people that do not. I don't care. It's funny. If you were expecting Sophie's Choice, I'm, I'm sure you would have been definitely disappointed. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's not like it's Citizen Kane, guys. I mean, we know where it's at. Seth Rogen, talking bagels, potty humor. Just get over it. Little Shop Before is definitely prolific. It introduces you with a 1950s pulp sci-fi monologue. And then Hello Motown. That is so campy and wonderful. I, I really like what you said earlier. made me really think of that title song. And I, I'm like, you know, you think in, in most like regular sci-fi films opening title sequences are all like you know shock and awe like you know like this great and terrible thing is going to happen right but with this they're like lullabying you but they're telling you this great and terrible thing is going to happen it had one of the most prolific people connected with any sci-fi fantasy probably the world and that would be directed by the legendary Frank Oz. I thought you were going to say Rick Moranis because of his connections to Ghostbusters. There's something good in the neighborhood. But Frank Oz, obviously, super important uh, person. Obviously, like, without his work in Star Wars, we would not have Yoda. The Dark Crystal. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What about Bob? In and out. Bowfinger. The score. Death at a funeral, and many other projects. Uh, uh, and the Muppet movies, right? Yeah, the Muppet Show tonight and the Muppet movie. Filmed, actually, at Pinewood Studios in England at the Albert R. Broccoli 007 stage. Yes, named after a James Bond film producer, where the complete downtown set was constructed. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, that's pretty typical for Hollywood and Hollywood locations. Um so so that set that they shot Little Shop of Horrors was like a, a Bond set? Originally, Steven Spielberg was going to get to work with Martin Scorsese and John Landis. But after a lawsuit by Charles B. Griffith, Geffen offered it to Oz. At the time, he was finishing Muppets Take Manhattan, my personal favorite Muppet movie. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, uh, you know... Uh... Cause that, like, if you watch, if you watch the movie, it it is a tight production, like, like it just like flows from beginning to end, and then all of a sudden it's over, and you're like, isn't there more movie? There was never a time in that I thought, could they speed this up? They don't need this scene. Every single moment, every single beat, it had either rhythmic talking or music in every single second of this movie. Even, even like, the whole thing is choreographed, right? You know, you have, like, the customer following into the dentist chair on the beat during the I Am The Dentist song. I would have to say one of the best musical translations. Like, and I know people would disagree because of the ending. The ending is the most different between the original stage play and the movie. And the reason is actually because the original stage play, Audrey sacrifices herself so that she can live somewhere that's green to help Seymour realize his dream. No, and I totally like that makes sense. When I first watched this musical, like and I've I've watched it on stage and I've definitely watched the movie a ton of times and like I never really thought of Seymour as much of a villain 
whereas a bad person, like a little bit of an opportunist, but like now, like after I like rewatch it and think about it, like I think to myself, hey, guess what? Like at no point in time did Seymour ever think to himself, what's this plant's story? All of a sudden the plant could talk. And he never asked himself, how did the plant learn to talk? He never asked the plant. He never asked any question that might give him any level of suspicion about what was going on. Suspicion? I don't think they understand in this movie. They don't see the signs until it's too late. It makes me realize that uh, Seymour is more of a murderer than I realized initially, right? With Orange Gravello, like in the in the original musical, mm. he has a song, It's Just a Gas, It Gets Me High, which you were singing earlier, which I love. And, you know, he starts off with, do it now, do it now, while he's, you know, uh, um, setting him up in a palpable stupor. Like, you know, like he, he's like talking about, uh, um, I need to kill him. And he's like, yes, I will, but I can't. You know, and, and he, he doesn't have the will to kill Orin, but he does have the will to allow Orin to die. Opposed to, in the Corman film, the dentist died through Seymour's hands, through his gun that he did have. In the movie? Yeah, no, um, like I said, the, the Corman film is much more of a film noir telling of the story. If you look at all of the things that happened, Seymour is a murderer. Even the Rick Moranis Seymour, which I feel like he is the most hapless of the murderers, mm -hmm. he's not afraid when Mr. Mushnick points the gun at him. He seems more afraid of what the plant might do than what Mr. Mushnick is doing with a gun pointed in his face, right? He, do he doesn't act like a man with a gun being pointed in his face. He acts like a man who knows his carnivorous plant might eat the guy with a gun pointed in his face. Exactly. So he's like slowly backs him into the plant in the movie, but in the, the, the musical, he's asking uh, a Mr. Mushnick to look in to, to to get something out of the plant, which the plant makes it a lot easier for the plant to eat him. Yeah, he, he backs up and then he turns around him and the plant's already opened and he's like looking inside of it and then the chomp. Reminded me when I looked at this and I think, I wonder... Wonder who fadoodle who. What happened with the plant compared to the chair in Sweeney Todd? Usually there's a chair that slips people down with rolling right 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 yeah into the like trapdoor area yeah i've seen the stage play and a movie of sweeney todd however i have actually not seen a stage play of little shop of horrors i've only seen the movie in and on sweeney todd came before little shop of horrors did they have the same mechanism oh i never noticed the cool thing about aladdin in the titular movie is that Aladdin realizes that he needs to get to know the genie. Jafar never cares to get to know the genie. All he wants is what the genie has Ultimate to offer. Ultimate, Ultimate power. power. Exactly. So what is the difference between Aladdin, Jafar, and Seymour Krellborn? What would have Aladdin done? We, we already know what Jafar would have done. Yeah. Jafar would have done what Seymour is basically doing, but better, because he would have just killed people. He would have just fed it to the plant and wouldn't have had any qualms. It's an interesting take on that. Seymour is an interesting character, namely because of his name, Seymour. It is actually, yes, for those of you that know Shakespeare... Um, his name does derive from the Moors from Africa. He does have black roots in, the, in his name. The C part is French. 
So he's French African name. Well, I mean, you know, like uh, it, 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 it kind of makes sense because Mr. Mushnik is kind of a, a dick to him for no reason. Yeah. And he lives in the basement of Mr. Mushnik's shop. I, I hate saying this, but there are racist Jews out there. Mushnik is Jewish. The character is written Jewish. Audrey tries to defend him. Mr. Mushnik, like in the in the play version, is always very nasty about it. Like, you know, it's like, why... Why, why should you care about Seymour? And I always wondered why Mr. Mushnik, and maybe maybe that's the true intended version of Little Shop of Horrors. I think he only likes Seymour when Seymour brings him money. Very much. Money, money, money. Like he's like right. Mr. Krabs yes. in, in oh, SpongeBob, yeah. right? Wow, I didn't realize that until just now. Wow, this is, this is enlightening. Please, everyone, he's a people pleaser. Right. He is right. like totally. Like literally Seymour Krellborn and Mr. Mushnik have a SpongeBob Mr. Krabs relationship like Spongebob is always trying to like you know Seymour isn't as much of a people pleaser but he he is like you know in his quirky way he could have just let that plant die yes he's a shy little murderer on top of the whole like Seymour thing you know he's doing a Faustian bargain I mean like uh based on having his blood sucked uh by the plant you know that's that's the initial like you know I I pledge to offer my blood to you for my success, right? Yeah. And then also he didn't have to kill Orin, and he also didn't have to kill Mr. Mushnik, though. Like at that point, he had to kill Mr. Mushnik. That's why I always had an issue with like the idea of killing. You know, like like I was telling you about Game of Thrones, Tyrion yeah. Lannister talking about like all the different styles of killing and like, you know, talking about suicide and fratricide and matricide and like all of those different things. I couldn't find a version of like murder where you you just set someone up to die like a booby trap mm -hmm. right like that that's a specific style of murder like saying hey jump in this trash compactor that's not a trash compactor it's a place to hide i mean it is not a five-year-old show but it is it is very cartoon death i mean like we, we don't see any like no there's there's really little blood yeah it's a bloodless film the only blood you see is actually seymour when he's first feeding the plant. After then, there's no blood. You don't see blood unless you, you hear, I'll give you a few drops if that'll appease. Well, I guess that was uh, uh, what they did with the music musical, right? They only yeah. showed a few drops. You know, Roger Corman is not afraid of blood, which is why, like, uh, the original film is more gruesome. But, you know, when you when you take a gruesome film and turn it into a musical, you can't really just throw blood everywhere unless you're talking about Evil Dead. The musical, which was interesting, and I saw it, and I was not in the splatter zone, but it was definitely fun. I did the splatter zone once. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was also a little bit like Romeo and Juliet. The, these two star-crossed lovers in this world gone mad. I know, right? Because, yeah. like, it is... The, the plant brings them together, but it is also the plant that tears them apart. But in the movie, they survive, so that's cool. Now, um, so like originally with the alternative ending, plant not only not only kills uh, Seymour and Audrey, the plant takes over the rest of the world. But whatever they offer you, don't, don't feed, feed the, the plants. Plant. Like it's on top of the from Peoria. <laughs> To Des Moines. Yeah, so he's on the Statue of Liberty. He's all, everywhere, like, destroying things, eating people, gobbling them up. It's great. I actually had the privilege of seeing it with my brother years ago at the historic Castric Theater with the original previews, which included... 
the first Marvel movie ever, Howard the Duck. I assume David Geffen didn't care for it, and they said audiences didn't care for it, but I bet Geffen didn't care for it because um, he thought it should be like probably a nice, happy musical. He's the kind of guy that like uh, you know like thinks that there's a, a B-roll out of an animation uh, <laughs> footage. So, like I said, guy with money. A lot of people believe that Little Shop of Horrors is really about commercialism. Commercialism turns the little shop into this great money maker, but also destroys the people that created it, like uh, like McDonald's or Walmart. The high cost of low prices. That sounds like a terrible documentary. It was. It was an actual one. It was Walmart. The high cost of low prices. Well, I thought you said it um, instead of like. Uh, like the plant sort of standing for commercialism, you felt it stood for something else. The Trump uh, presidency uh, is kind of like the plant, like taking over the world. It's kind of scary for some of us. So, so like in, in this analogy that you have, like what, how would you, how, how, how is Trump the plant? Like, like describe, describe the uh, little shop scenario. The plant is enticing you, giving you everything you, your little heart desires but for a price that he's not telling you. And then soon enough, you don't recognize your world. Oh, yeah, that's that's super legitimate. And I guess Seymour Krellborn would be the Republican Party. Like, uh, um, obviously, like uh, the plant is somehow controlling all of this. And Seymour honestly should have asked the plant, how are you going to give me everything my greasy heart desires? You're a plant. You're a talking plant. I, I recognize that. But you are still a plant. That can move and talk in the uh, the movie, n not the stage play. There is a phrase that is uttered only twice when executives are trying to buy Seymour up yours. Why would you say up yours when you're trying to get someone to do what you want? And then it is said one more time in the original. The one thing that was added, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, Academy Award nominated song, the only one created for a movie version. That should have been a warning sign, but nope, it wasn't till it was too late. Some things are mentioned in Little Shop of Horrors. I sometimes don't know if it was put in there for sponsorship or just a mention of the current era and time. Oh, like a sort of like an in, in ad, uh, in, yeah. in movie ad placement? Two cans of Maxwell House use. There's the first in Audrey 2 when she's first, when Audrey 2 is first shown. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It starts in a coffee can. And then after Audrey 2 is moved out of that coffee can, we see it on the desk of, of John Candy's character. Better Homes and Gardens magazine is mentioned in somewhere that's green. A picture out of Better Homes and Gardens magazine. In the Pine Sol. Yeah, yeah, the Pine Sol scented air. Right, wow. Life is perfect in a tract house that we live somewhere that's green. Uh -huh. Betty Crocker, Lucy, Lucille Ball from the Lucy and Ball show. Donna Reed, same thing. Howdy Doody. There is a song that was sung during the Stonewall Riot, and it was to the tune of the Howdy Doody show. We're fighting policemen now. We're fighting policemen now because they're real assholes. No, there's a, definitely a lot of product tie-ins in the movie, like now that you like uh, pointed out i just don't think about it because some of those brands are super are some of those brands are super old and like you know or if you see q-tip you're getting product placement when you hear kleenex he doesn't say here take my tissue he said here take my kleenex here take my kleenex wipe that revlon away 
Hedy Lamar, an Australian-American actress, as mentioned, Hedy Lamar is mentioned by The Plant, uh, Harley, Harley Davidson, James Dean, the rebel in uh, Rebel Without a Cause. It Ain't Kansas was a Wizard of Oz reference by Audrey too. Oz's connection with Jim Henson and that crew. Martin P. Robinson, puppet design just made mean green mother from outer space come to life i mean you believe this plant was going to eat you this was a realistic looking puppet casting is key sure you have amazing catchy songs that will stay with you what about the stars that bring them to life studio heads wanted cindy lopper who turned it down and it rumored that Barbra Streisand was offered the role, which David Geffen thought would be amazing. Thankfully, people said, Ellen Green originated the role. Come on. And she is the definitive Audrey. However, I did see a similar kind of an idea. Uh, Beetlejuice, the musical, uh, which uh, ended too soon with um, a woman who played Audrey, Carrie Butler, who was amazing. So I could only imagine how amazing she was as Audrey. Lovable loser, um, opposite to Audrey was Seymour, played by Rick Moranis, who is amazing, known mainly for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, at least from our era, as well as Ghostbusters. Rick Moranis is a lot more of an important uh, person in Hollywood than people think. And honestly, like a really serious actor. Um, for Ghostbusters, they wanted John Candy to play the role of the, the key master. So when the John Candy was doing it, um, they they were like, John, you need to you need to tone the you need to tone it down, John. Like that's that's not how it should be, right? Like and and because you know like he's a he's you know what an accountant, right? And uh, you know he's just he's just like a super bland and odd individual that like whatever like um you know kind of kind of hapless like uh, uh Seymour but whatever Rick got the got, got the job and like you know I get it like Rick is a serious actor SCTV and so he brought John Candy into the mix as well he showed some depth Arthur Denton character which was originally Wilbur Forrest was played by Bill Murray and in one scene he plays opposite of Steve Martin as the dentist who started at SNL, would go on to work in Parenthood, My Blue Heaven, and L.A. Story. Alongside that, they also got Jim Belushi, who was originally going to be Paul Dooley. In the end, the guy who's like, come on, come on, you know, I can get, get, you know, these things will be bigger than hula hoops. Jim Belushi was the trifecta of the comedy gold within that SNL 2 Little Shop move. Cool. Jim, Jim Belushi was on SNL 2? Vincent Gardenia, brilliant name, I think, in pun-related way, Gardenia, was an Italian-American, which, you know, Italians and Jews look a lot alike sometimes, so I understand it. And he's known for Moonstruck, bang bang the drum slowly, and it earned him an Academy Award for Moonstruck, and he's also in Death Wish and the subsequent... um, movies of death wish the death wish movies okay that's who was mr mushnick in the role that is on stage he sings but in the movie he does not sing one note yeah does not get to sing mushnick and son and that's just basically a song about him trying to um solidify uh seymour into the into the shop because like he's afraid that like he's gonna go and take his plant and leave which sort of leads to him figuring out about the murder he's the shop owner but he doesn't own the plant yeah one of the one of the greatest comedy horror films uh around i mean you think of uh, uh, Shaun of the dead 
you know, I mean, that's not a musical. I get it, but it could have been. It could that could have been a musical. Shaun of the Dead would be a great musical. Shaun of the Dead. Comedy Gold meets Motown with Levi Stubbs, who died 2008, RIP, from Motown's The Four Tops, voicing the alien plant Audrey II alongside the Greek choir, which I'll get to, but sidebar, there is a new movie coming out. They're making, they are remaking Little Shop of Horrors for the role of Audrey too. The one I'm really, really super excited about. Barbara Streisand? Ruin the surprise! No. Um, <laughs> unless um, somehow you transfer bodies, but um, Billy Porter. Billy fucking Porter is going to be Audrey too. That role was made for someone like Billy Porter. The Audrey 2 character voiced by Motown is joined equally by the Greek player of Little Shop that kind of leads you in and out of each different scene. They were a supreme styled girl group made out of Tashina Arnold from Martin, Michelle Weeks, and Tisha Campbell also from Martin. Each one was named after a different girl group. Crystal was for the crystals for Uptown. He's a rebel. And then he kissed me. Ronette was from the Ronettes for Be My Baby. And Baby, I Love You. And Ronette for the Chiffons. They were inducted in the, the one was named Chiffon. The Chiffons were known for He's So Fine and I Have a Boyfriend. The last song to be heard on the broadcast on Dallas, Texas radio, KILF, on the notorious November 22nd, 1963, when they announced President John F. Kennedy had been shot. The first spoken word we hear in the opening announcement that took place on September 23rd, Gordon Stanley Jones, a Canadian actor with a lot of voiceover work for a lot of kids' cartoons like Challenge of the Super Friends, Transformers, Spider-Man, Heathcliff, The Pebble and the Penguin. The first guest to enter Mushnick's Flower Shop is none other than Christopher Guest. Hi, I couldn't help but notice that strange and interesting plant there in the window. I've never seen anything like it before. What is it? Who would go on to be known for Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, and of course, Spinal Tap. Secretary to the Dentist is played by Miriam Margulies, who is well-known for her role in Harry Potter. Like uh, Frank Oz, like a lot of people, I think, uh, attributed to David Geffen, uh, I guess, but I feel like Ashman and Oz had more to do. Absolutely. This was their baby. Glad that the Geffen company put up the $25 million for it. In the 2019 off-Broadway revival of Little Shop of Horrors, Seymour Krellborn was played by King George himself. Oh, Jonathan Graff, right? Or for those of you who know him in the Frozen movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kristoff, right? And also uh, Looking on HBO, which was also pretty amazing. No, he's done a lot of roles. I'm t- I wish I remember the Netflix role. It's, it's kind of terrible. Based off of like the FBI um, style of pro. Mindhunter. Mindhunter. There it is. You knew what it was. I, you just had to tell me that part. And Holly asked me to watch it. And I said, not my genre, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. It's like really ooh, heavy, but it's interesting. Feed me again. In January 2020, Full Circle Cinema reported that there is going to be a remake in the works. Billy Porter has been 
and confirmed as Audrey 2 with Taron Egerton, who played Elton John in Rocketman, to play Seymour with Scarlett Johansson as Audrey. I, I'm hoping, because I know what Billy Porter sounds like. I know he is absolutely 100% amazing, but I have no clue how Taron Egerton is going to do in a Broadway show-stopping number, one after another, heartfelt like, I don't know. In Scarlett Johansson, I have never heard saying. I hope they surprise me. Let's hope this is not a Cats, because that would be pretty sad. I always find it so interesting, like, how Hollywood chooses to, like, really big names for a movie. And I, I get yeah. that, but, like, shouldn't the object be to make the best movie with the, the best actors and not yeah. necessarily the ones with the best names? And no hate on Scar- ScarJo, because, like, you know, she's my girl or mm-hmm. whatnot. But like, you know, it'll, it, it'll be interesting because I mean, like what uh, uh, in Chicago, I was super su- surprised, you know, by uh, uh, I mean, Queen Latifah definitely had a great uh, uh, performance, but that's expected from Queen Latifah because she's actually a music. She actually. Right. Velma Kelly. I meant um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones has a like I, you know, I, I think that's the first musical she was in, right? Yeah. She did a phenomenal job. Well, thank you very much, folks, for listening in to another installment of Talking Musical History Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Chris. Bye-bye, everybody. You got to fight it while we still got the chance. Whatever they offer you, don't feed the plant. If you liked what you've heard, then check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash stonewallthemusical as we make our journey from the page to the stage. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.